Hello and welcome back to Basic Bible 102. I'm Margie Smith and today we are covering Lesson 15 in the um, Basic Bible 102 series, the first module about the life of Christ. And today's lesson is about casting out demons. As I mentioned last week, this is a particularly difficult lesson because demon possession, uh, demons and evil in the spiritual realm is not something that we can take lightly. And yet, because we don't see it, we don't think about it. But it is real. Obviously, Jesus had the power to cast out evil spirits. So we know he is bigger than Satan, bigger than the demons that um, can possess people. Now, there used to be a lot of popular talk about um, people who were demon-possessed. And then, as our culture developed, we began to see, well, maybe it's not so much demon possession as it is mental illness or um, just various issues that people can be dealing with. But today we'll cover a little bit of what the Bible says about demon possession. So if you'll turn in your Bibles to Mark 5, beginning with verse 1, what we see is Jesus and his disciples are crossing the lake, uh, the Sea of Galilee, probably, to the area of the Gerasenes. And it's, it can be uh, several different ways. Sometimes they say uh, Gadarenes or uh, Gergesenes. So I don't know. We've talked about some of these uh, terminology in the uh, Bible that's because it's so different than what we're used to. Um, it's hard to pronounce. So all I know is that it was on the other side of the lake. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an evil spirit came from the tombs to meet him. Okay, so there's a guy that's coming out of the cemetery, and this man lived in the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. So obviously he was very, very strong. For he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. He shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? Swear to God that you won't torture me. For Jesus had said to him, Come out of this man, you evil spirit. Then Jesus asked him, What is your name? My name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. And he begged Jesus again and again not to send them out of the area. A large herd of pigs was feeding on a nearby hillside. The demon begged Jesus, Send us among the pigs. Allow us to go into them. He gave them permission, and the evil spirits came out and went into the pigs. The herd, about 2,000 in number, rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. Those tending the pigs ran off and reported this in the town and the countryside. And the people went, went out to see what had happened. And when they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there, dressed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told about the pigs as well. Then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. Jesus did not let him, but said, Go home to your family and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him 
And all the people were amazed. So we see that this man who's had some kind of a encounter with enough evil that evil spirits were able to dwell within him. Jesus recognizes these demons and tells them, you know, get out of this man. And they are afraid of Jesus. They um, recognize him as the son of the most high God. (laughs) Kind of surprising that evil spirits recognize Jesus, but the Pharisees who were supposed to be looking for him did not. And so when Jesus said, uh, you know, okay, I'll send you into the pigs, basically. And then the pigs go down the hill and jump into the, the lake and drown. So the people are all amazed at this. Of course they would be. And because they had seen this man when he was crazy, when, you know, really he had some kind of supernatural strength. He lived in the cemetery. He was cutting himself. He couldn't be bound. These are things that are um, just weird. I mean, I don't know how else you would say it, except that not something you see every day. But if you have ever seen anything like this, then this is going to sound very familiar because evil just likes to destroy people. And in this case, it destroyed this man. It destroyed, you know, he was cutting himself, so it destroyed his body. It destroyed his family. Uh, He couldn't work. He had to live among the cemetery tombs. So Jesus has pity on this man and said, you know, I'm... Go away, evil spirits, and and sends them into the pigs and the pigs... Uh, are all killed. So when the people come, you would think, wow, this is a holy man. Look what he's done. We should be so blessed to have him here. But what is their response instead? They say, leave us, Jesus. All right. So now you have to ask yourself, why did they want Jesus to leave them? And it could be that they cared more about the pigs than they did this man. It could be just plain old fear at another spiritual thing. I mean, they were dealing with this man, and now they're dealing with the Son of God. Uh, We don't really know why they didn't want Jesus there. But Jesus listened to them, just got back in the boat, and turned around. This same story can be found in Matthew 8 and in Luke 8. So it was well documented. Um, As the man... uh, As Jesus is leaving, the man doesn't want him to go. He wants to go with him. But instead, Jesus says, no, go back and tell your story. So he gives this man a purpose in life as well. Not only has he healed him physically and spiritually, but now he's given him a purpose. So do you think that Jesus granting the demon's request to go into the pigs instead of just to go out of him? uh, Was that a good thing? Why would Jesus do that? Did he listen to the demons? And if you're thinking, well, I guess he could have thrown them into the lake of hell and and be done with them. And I think ultimately that's what happened when they drowned. But I think that Jesus wanted to show the people an outward evidence of what was happening inside this man. Now, we don't know exactly about these people. Were they Jews? Were they Gentiles? More than likely, they were Gentiles if they were raising pigs because Jews wanted nothing to do with pigs. And it's very possible that they did worship um, Caesar, maybe, or uh, idols. They, they may have had idol worship or um, animism. Back at that time, those who did not believe in, who were not Jews, had all sorts of other ways that they uh, gave tribute to a god or several gods or whatever. So you may say, well, how would someone become demon-possessed? And I think that any time you allow evil to uh, come into your life in whatever form, 
And you know what that might mean. It might mean mean, uh, things that are morally wrong and you put up with them. In fact, maybe you even endorse them. Maybe you begin to dabble in the occult or you um, watch movies that have to do with demon possession or demons or Satan. And the more time you spend thinking about evil and dabbling in evil and even maybe just kind of flippantly saying, well, it's not really going to hurt me, it's all pretend, kind of like zombies and and uh, leprechauns and anything else that's, that's a fake folklore. But demons are not folklore and Satan is not folklore. He is real. And so when you open your mind, your heart, your life to evil, you put yourself in the position where uh, demons have access to your soul. And so the reason that, that it's so important to stay close to the Lord and to avoid evil is so that we don't give any opportunity for the devil. All right, let's <clears throat> turn it to another passage. This is back in Matthew 17. Uh, down in verse 14, this is after the transfiguration um, when uh, there there's a healing of a boy with a demon. And this is kind of scary because you think, oh my, children, they shouldn't even be around evil. And yet children can be, as you know, in our world, subject to evil and can be... Um, impressed by it, and then it can take hold of them. And so let's read this, uh, verse 14. When they came to the crowd, a man approached Jesus and knelt before him. Lord, have mercy on my sons, he said. He has seizures and is suffering greatly. He often falls into the fire, into the water. I brought him to your disciples, but they could not heal him. Oh, unbelieving and perverse generation, Jesus replied, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy here to me. Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of the boy, and he was healed from that moment. All right, so here you may be saying, wait a minute, uh, this sounds like the boy had epilepsy, or he might have had any other uh, natural physical ailment, and yet somehow the father attributed to evil and uh, was afraid for the boy, and he, he believed that Jesus could, could heal him. And yet, the disciples had tried to cast out this demon, and it hadn't worked. And so, uh, there, there are such a thing as things that are just going to require a whole lot more prayer and um, fasting, perhaps, and a lot more than what we can just go around and say, out, you demon. If you continue on in this passage, it says, Then the disciples came to Jesus in private and asked, Why why couldn't we drive it out? He replied, Because you have so little faith. I tell you the truth. If you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, Move, and from from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. All right, so you might say, well, they should have been able to, and according to Jesus, they should have. Instead, they focused more on the problem, the the situation, than they did on the uh, power of Jesus and the what Jesus can do through them. One of the way tellers can tell uh, counterfeit money is when they're training, they train them on real money. So they get used to the feel of it, the look of it, and then when they see something that's not right, they can question it and go test that uh, bill. And I think it's kind of the same within the spiritual realm that 
the more time you spend in the Word and in prayer and in consecrating your life to the Lord, the easier it will be to pick up on something that is not right, is evil. And in that case, you will be prepared, much more prepared, to deal with it. Now, I try to encourage new believers to, when you run into anything that's too weird like this, that's just too, um, more than you really think you can handle, uh, find some other believers and get together and pray together and maybe even fast. It may be the kind of thing that you just need to pull in more ammunition, more faith beyond just your own. And in such case, then if you need to confront someone or uh you know, speak to an elder in your church, and they have a way of healing, you know, laying on hands and healing, uh, according to which we'll learn about later in the New Testament. So don't always try to uh, handle these things yourself. In fact, probably better not to even deal with evil on your own, because it's powerful. In fact, we'll see here um, another example of why you really don't want to mess with, with demons at all. When the Pharisees saw that Jesus was uh, casting out demons, they the people questioned, well, how do you think Jesus is able to do that? And they believed that Jesus could do that because he was from Satan, that he had power over the demons because he was evil. But turn back to Matthew 12, down in uh, verse 22. Then they brought him a demon-possessed man who was blind and mute, and Jesus healed him so that he could both talk and see. All the people were astonished and said, Could this be the son of David? But when the Pharisees heard this, they said, It is only by Beelzebub, the prince of demons, that this fellow drives out demons. Jesus knew their thoughts and said to them, Every kingdom divided against itself will be ruined, and every city or household divided against itself will not stand. If Satan drives out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then can his kingdom stand? If I drive out demons by Beelzebub, by whom do your people drive them out? So then they will be your judges. But if I drive out demons by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Or again, how can anyone enter a strong man's house and carry off his possessions unless he first ties up the strong man? Then he can rob his house. He who is not with me is against me, and he who does not gather with me scatters. And so I tell you, every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven men, but the blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven. Anyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven, but anyone who speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven, either in this age or the age to come. So what he's saying here is that if these uh, Pharisees and religious leaders who had a way of um, approaching demon possession and probably with limited um, success. And yet, Jesus is saying, why would I want to drive out demons if I was part of Satan's network? I wouldn't. I would be encouraging demons. And so he's saying, anybody who's not with me is against me. So if you, if these uh, Pharisees and such are not with me, then they really are against me. And we find that, of course, is exactly what happened. Okay, those of you that have the student workbook probably had some time to think this over and do the lesson, which came from this very passage in Matthew 12. And it said, you know, how did the people respond when Jesus healed the demon-possessed man? And how did the Pharisees respond? I think there was a great deal of um, 
wanting to believe Jesus because he held hope and he um, spoke the truth and it resonated. And I think that's one of the reasons why if we spend more time in the Word and more time in prayer and listening to the Spirit of God as it dwells within you, you begin to recognize the voice of God. But if you are not sure, then you think, oh, I'm hearing voices and some of those are colliding and some of these may not be from God. And you're right. Some of them may not be. They may be Satan whispering things in your ear. Now, I know we've all seen those funny little um, cartoons with the, the angel on one side of the shoulder and the devil on the other, and they're each trying to pull the person one way or the other. And the, the honest truth is it really is um, somewhat like that, that we can listen to God and follow his ways or listen to uh, the devil, evil, temptation, and move that direction. And the more we get used to moving one direction, the more apt we are to continue in that direction. So we determine God's will by spending time in the Word and prayer and listening to Him, uh, to the Holy Spirit. But if you don't listen to the Holy Spirit, if you shut that off, just like it says here, you're not going to be forgiven. In other words, you're, you're not going to hear what God's trying to do in your life and wants to do because you've um, shut that off. So I think it's very important, and we've talked about this before this lesson, to listen to the Holy Spirit and um, to make your heart uh, line up with what the Holy Spirit is telling you because that's how you can protect yourself from heading the wrong direction. And from opening yourself to uh, evil. Okay, let's one more passage. This is back in Mark chapter 1, starting with verse 21. And it reads, They went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue and began to teach. The people were amazed at his teaching, because he taught them as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. Just then a man in their synagogue, who was possessed by an evil spirit, cried out, What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet, said Jesus sternly. Come out of him. And the evil spirit shook the man violently and came out of him with a shriek. The people were all so amazed that they asked each other, What is this, a new teaching with, and with authority? He even gives orders to evil spirits, and they obey him. News about him spread quickly around the whole region of Galilee. So we see that even in the synagogue... Jesus is confronted by evil. This should not surprise you. But some people will say, well, there can't be any evil in churches. I mean, those are holy places. And the truth is, evil can be anywhere and it can inhabit anyone. And that's why you can never take for granted that what somebody is telling you is the truth. Unless you compare it against the Word of God, uh, listen to the Holy Spirit in your heart that either resonates with that or has questions and kind of backs you away from it, um, talk to other spiritual leaders and say, does this sound right? This is what I heard. Because it's very possible that though this, what you have been told is coming straight from evil. Uh, back in both in uh, 1 Peter 1 and 2, which we'll get into in the next module, there's a test for every spirit to bring it um, in line and say, does this line up with what Jesus said with what the Bible says, with, with, with what the Holy Spirit um, is doing within my heart. And if it doesn't, then there's a good chance that it is evil and you should stay far away from it. So I guess the takeaway from today is to remember that evil influences, satanic activity, 
demon possession, these are real. And even though we live in a very sterile world, a very uh, the 21st century, we seem to have so many answers for so many things, um, including mental illness or physical illness and things that can imitate what people once thought was uh, demon possession. Don't think that it doesn't happen today because it does. And I bet you you could ask an awful lot of people who have been uh, under the influence of uh, drug um you know, addiction that have said, I've tried and I could not stop. And some of those things are just plain old evil wanting to control you. According to Ephesians 6.12, a battle for good and evil is even now taking place in the spiritual realm. And so we are part of that. We just don't get to see it. So so-called demon possession is more apt to be a mental or physical illness now. But it doesn't mean that it couldn't be um, demon possession, because it could. Only the Spirit of God, through the power of Jesus' name, can fight these evil forces. And evil can be everywhere, in church, in believers. So stay alert and stay close to the Word so that you can recognize the counterfeit. And as I've always said, uh, the more you spend time listening to the Holy Spirit within you and, and reading the Word, the more clearly it becomes evident that um, something you're hearing is false because it doesn't line up, it doesn't ring true. Um, and I'm really hoping that as you go about your day-to-day life and you see things that truly are evil, and, and you know what I'm talking about, even just this week, we heard of a couple who locked up their six-year-old boy out in the shed and just left him out there basically to starve. And uh, so people are can be controlled by an awful lot of um, evil forces. And so when we are close to the Lord, we can help pray for that person, might even be able to bring them out of that by shining the, the light of the gospel into their lives. All right, so for next week, uh, I know this has been a tough one, and there's a lot more about demon possession. So um, if you're really interested in that subject, there are um, some very good commentaries, and we will see more about this in the next module. But for this one, we are pretty much just looking at what Jesus said and what Jesus did. Next week, we're going to look at his some of the miracles of where he fed so many people, like the loaves and the fishes. And so if you'll spend some time reading uh, Matthew 14, Mark 6, Luke 9, John 6, Matthew 15, some of those um, that are listed on the website, Basic Bible 102, in the student section, then you will be prepared for the questions that um, will come up. And hopefully you are working through the student workbook, which you can get online as well. Uh, You can get a, a Kindle version of it so that you don't have to buy the printed version. Uh, Some people just really like the printed version, and I'm one of those. I guess it's the old school in us, but it's nice to be able to see it and write it down and think about it uh, versus just seeing it on electronic page and and being afraid that's going to disappear. So um, thank you. As I always say, I so appreciate your faithfulness and your understanding about some of the issues that are difficult, and we just do the best we can. Listen to your pastor and see what he says, because they'll, they'll have um, tools that will help you in discerning truth. So until next time, be blessed.